0: Welcome to See Africa, Breathe Africa, a weekly podcast made to bring Rwanda, Uganda, and the DR Congo closer to you. It's moderated by a travel consultant and cultural tourism expert, Miha Logar in Rwanda, and an Afrofusion musician, Joe Kahiri, in Uganda. In this episode, they're joined by Katrina Lanner from Austria, the notable First Gorilla Highlands volunteer, and Caesar Nyungkuru, a Rwandan hiking and cycling guide
1: Africa breathe. Africa,
2: are we not? You are letting money. You chocolate union. I'm going at man. Are we not? You are letting money.
3: And so ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we begin another episode of See Africa, Breathe Africa, and as usual we do it with a song. This song is called Awinyo, you can find it on the Kahiri EP. Awinyo means a bird and this is a folk song about a bird that has stolen my heart and I'm telling this bird that yo you've stolen my heart how can I live but basically it's a metaphor for love when you're involuntarily and inescapably falling for somebody you just can't think, can't breathe, can't move, you can't imagine life without them so that's the song Awinyo. Well, tonight's episode is unique because we have Miha in a location that you can hear and almost tangibly feel, and so it's going to be quite a different episode. Also tonight, we have with us Katerina.
4: Hi. Hi, Kahirin. Yes, this particular show is going to be in the rhythm of the waves of Lake Kivu. I went to Gisendi, also known as Rubavu, to talk to Caesar, who is one of the most experienced guides on the Congo Nile trail because we had a number of questions about the trail and I just felt like doing it in a different environment. I wanted it to be natural so we met straight on the sand. Uh, you're going to hear a little bit of nature coming through as we talk, I must say that I totally enjoyed the setup. And, as well, Caesar, who is such a passionate, energetic and interesting guy to talk to.
5: Caesar is really a truly lovely person, especially what he said at the end. He really touched me and made me want to go, pick up my stuff and, and
4: go. I must tell you, that I was basically looking into Congo. I must mention that there are airplanes landing at the Goma Airport so <laughs> there might be some other sounds of nature mixed into Uh, our recording even though we stopped when the noise was too much but the feeling was incredible and yes this particular episode is going to come with a blog post that is going to show you exactly where we were and how it looked
5: I was hoping for that
3: about the conversation with you and Cesar I like the fact that this is something that incorporates it's not just about the terrain it's not just about the sights that you can see but it's about the life there I had quite a chuckle when you talked about how, you know, the the locals sometimes look at the tourists the way that the tourists would probably look at, like, gorillas. And that particularly amused me because I think I have an almost similar experience. When I was a little boy, there was this huge truck of tourists that came and They had tents and stuff and lots of things that I had never seen. And so me and the kid next door, we went out and we just stood there staring at these guys for like hours you know and then you know every once in a while someone would go oh, hello you know and ask a question or invite us to see something it was a very interesting experience seeing these guys for the first time in in that kind of habitat you could almost hear like a wildlife documentary voice guy going and now we have the Mazungu in his habitat by the truck, the, <laughs> you know. The
4: male is carefully observing the females and
3: <laughs> thinking. <laughs> and now two females approach, and they will <laughs> they will attempt to get the male's attention with some food. Yeah, it was quite funny.
4: That was, I think, uh, from Kabale Town in the southwest of Uganda. The experience that you shared, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Today, with the Congo Trail, we are on the shores of Lake Kivu in Rwanda, but I also have a similar story from Lake Bunyonyi, also in Uganda. One of my favorite moments ever was a group of white tourists in a dugout canoe paddling, and then a motorboat full of locals coming and making a circle around them and all the locals have phones and cameras in their hands (laughs) and taking pictures. It was the opposite of what usually happens. It was Ugandans observing the international guests.
3: It can be quite entertaining.
4: As long as you see the paradox, as long as you see the, the value in experiencing being on the other side of the photo lens, I think it can only be great.
5: So Kahiri, you've just mentioned the word musungo. it totally threw me back to my experience in East Africa, because coming from Europe, you're so not used to be called out. And I I can still hear it, all the kids shouting Musungo, Musungo and basically they're just naming what they see, a white person. It it, it really depended on the day. Um, Sometimes I would have loved to just hide when I was sitting in a bus and kids and other people were whispering, I would have just loved to, you know, like kind of hide yourself, but it's not not possible. But then on other days, I really liked it because I was connecting with people because of that, in a way. If it makes sense with the kids, because they would be just so open and interested and it kind of broke their eyes and they wanted to touch my skin. What I also found really interesting because they thought it will feel different. Yeah, there was just a really interesting
4: experience for me. Imagine the scandal, or at least the fun of it, if African visitors to Europe would be met with, black man, black man, hey, black man. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. To be fair, there was a time in the
3: world when that did happen. It's just so, my uncle who was, uh, when we were kids, told us about the first time he went, I think it was to Norway or something, and um, a lot of people that he met had never seen an actual black man before. So they would ask him like, questions. And then one person came up to him and asked him, you know, but you guys, like your, your noses, are they like, is like your nose particularly big or is everybody's nose big? He's like, oh, where I come from? Like, I'm the small nose person. So everybody's got like big lips, like, oh, I've got the little lips, like you should see the rest of my village and stuff like that. It was quite funny. I don't think that's how it happened, but it was just a chuckle.
4: You know, in Europe, it's much less appropriate to focus on people's looks. Here in Africa, it's so common for for you to say, hey, you, the dark one, or the fat woman, come here. (laughs) (laughs)
5: Oh, wow, don't do that in Europe. (laughs) Oh,
4: yeah. We are a dangerous trio because we kind of got stuck on just one little segment of our interview. But of course, it's more Which has nothing to do with the Congo Nile Trail. Well, it does have, you know, a lot to do in terms of this contact between two cultures that happens much more strongly when you walk. Uh Whenever you are hiking, you are much more part of the community than when you come with any kind of a vehicle. But now let's listen to the voice telling us a little bit more about the Congonal Trail on the shores of Lake
0: Kivu. Caesar and Miha are sitting on the sandy beach of Lake Kivu, an extensive body of water shared by Rwanda and Congo. Like a pupil of the eye, Ijwi Island lies in the center of this lake, Africa's second biggest inland island. Huge reserves of methane gas are hidden at the bottom of Kivu, an important generator of Rwanda's electricity. But our story talks about a different source of economic development, a walking and cycling route on the eastern side of Lake Kivu. Here, responsible tourism powers the advancement of rural communities as visitors from around the world explore the heart of the African continent. Confusingly called the Congo Nile Trail, this 225-kilometer or 140-mile adventure takes 10 days by foot or 5 days by bike, but you can of course select certain segments only if your time is limited. The trip most commonly starts exactly where Caesar and Miha are chatting, the city of Gisenyé, at about 1500 meters or nearly 5000 feet above sea level. But let's step closer and hear what our experts are discussing. Not to interrupt the flow, Miha, instead of the voice, will be reading the questions. But as is always the case, these came from traveler inquiries.
4: So, does the Congo Nile Trail go through Congo and is it safe? And the Congo
1: Nile Trail is safe, but it's not going through the Congo. Because, first of all, we say Congo. And then the second Nile. There is no country which is called the Nile. It's Congo as a river Congo and Nile River. It's called the Congo Nile Trail because it passed in the mountains where we found the divide of the basins of those two rivers. Not Congo as a country. It's not con- going through Congo. Those mountains are on Rwanda side.
4: And probably because it's on the Rwandan side there is absolutely no question about safety, right? You are very safe, you are hiking on the shores of Lake Kivu in a very quiet, peaceful and secure environment, right?
1: I can't say because it's on the Rwandan side, because I'm not Congolese. I can't say on the Congo side it's not too safe because I know how is Rwanda and it's on Rwanda side. That's why I say it's safe to do the Nile trail.
4: What else, in addition to hiking and cycling, can people do on the trail?
1: The activities I'm going to, to talk about, even if, if you are biking or hiking, you can do it. You're passing through the community where you can see the real life of Rwandan people. It means they have different activities they are doing. So you can do some activities with them, like boat ride. Then you visit some islands. Uh, you can do night fishing, because it's a good area for coffee. You can do coffee experience. And also, there some people doing uh, beekeeping. You can see where the honey comes from. Also, you can visit some traditional activities, like uh, traditional healing.
4: You know, today, so. just by coincidence, I visited a healer like that here in Gisenyi in Rubavu. And uh, our listeners can actually read a story about him and see how these traditional healers operate. It's not just herbs and other things that come through the cultural side of their experience. They also learn a lot about other fields of health. They would talk to you about things that their grandfathers didn't know but they know them now because they are educated in all aspects of herbal medicine. In Rwanda these guys need to be certified so when you come to them it's not a witch doctor it's a healer with herbs and massages and magnetism and all those interesting things.
1: If you go to those who are really Certified. Certified. Don't have fear of them and don't think about many things, because even the government, they know that they are doing those activities. Mm -hmm. You can go see how they do their job, just there they show you which kind of glasses they use when they are making a kind of medicine, of which sickness, just we go through the field and then they show you if you take this one and you mix this one uh, we make a medicine of cough of a grip of which sickness and then at the end you go somewhere they show you how they prepare that medicine
4: people can expect to get more than just hiking and cycling they can learn useful mm. things for their health mm. from us. Th- but uh, cesar is is this something that one can do each and every day? Are there some parts of the Nile Trail when you don't do anything?
1: Uh, I can't say every day, but most of the days you can find an activity to do. It can be a big trip and then on that big trip if you add another activity, it's not easy to reach the destination. Uh-huh.
4: So sometimes, sometimes your only goal is to reach. So you hike, you hike, you hike, but as you hike, you observe people around you and enjoy their life.
1: Even if maybe you didn't visit any activity, but you pass it through the real activities of the area.
4: I mean, you are really like literally going through villages all the time. Rwanda is quite heavily populated, so there won't be long stretches when you don't see anybody. You are going through populated areas and it's never boring.
1: I was talking about some activities to do. I was reaching to the traditional healers and then also we have traditional dancers.
4: Hmm. What do you as a Rwandan find most particular about the Rwandan way of dancing?
1: Especially the uniform. You can say those are not American people, those are not European people.
4: What is special about the way the Rwandan dancers look?
1: what they have in the hands and then what they have on the head and also on the under part on the head they have something white but it's like it's like the mane of the lion right it's like the, the crest of the lion mm-hmm. but those things are made in some glasses which glasses we, uh, we called imigwe in kinyarwanda there's somewhere you can arrive and then you see they're still using the same on underpart. And what do they have in their hands? They have some things made on the wood. We call them ingabo. And then... Most the shield? Of, it's like a symbol, it's two small ones.
4: So those shields are more symbolic than real, like you, you would not fight, you would not use them in a fight, right? No, no, the no, no it's dancing. not for fighting.
1: It, 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 it's not for fighting. It's for entertainment. Mm. Yeah.
4: We need to say, like, for example, Mama Nelly, she's, she's also an interesting activity almost, like you eat from her place, but she's also a character.
1: Eh? She's located in the village which is called Mora. It's on the second day for the hikers and on the first day for the bikers.
4: So Mama Nelly basically runs a small restaurant that goes beyond just cooking food. She was first of all very talented, but then she was also trained. So it's an experience, you get a proper buffet when you're passing by to um, fill up your batteries again.
1: So they can prepare for you and even they can show you, she can show you how to prepare the Rwandan
4: food. So the next question is, what is the benefit of the trail to the surrounding community? Well Cesar, in some ways we already answered a lot of that in our previous answer. That is probably the biggest thing for the local communities yeah this economic development that comes with people bringing in money right
1: this trade is really important for the people around why because before the Congo Nile trade there was no many shops there was no accommodations that's the first benefit and also like me as a guide you have the local guides who are helping the travelers to explain them the area to show them their way and explain everything on the way like me now it's my job and then i can survive by that job and then the government begin to think about to to put some infrastructures around like the roads like the tarmac roads that is a big benefit for the people around the trail.
4: I also want to mention that Cesar wrote an article that talks about the transport on the water, where he talks extensively about the impact of uh, the trail on the people's lives and how they can make some money and so on. But I would also want to ask a little bit of a deeper question. Do you think it's also important to people in terms of their pride and entertainment to see these visitors passing by? Must be interesting for them to to see foreigners walking and cycling through their villages.
1: Really they enjoy it because when you pass somewhere you can know if the people they are proud of you or not. They are laughing, they can say good morning, how are you and the kids they can play for you and uh, self guided travelers who don't have even the guide the people even if sometimes they not understand what they're interested to tell you that you are lost normally the others passing here even if you, you can't understand that <laughs> so e- if they don't happy for you they can't even help you
4: it's obvious that they appreciate but what i think is also important to them is to see something happening because sometimes in the village there isn't much happening and then you, you see a group of white visitors passing by and you have a story to share. The way a tourist looks at gorillas, also Rwandans look at tourists, I think, <laughs> observing them.
1: It's not a big problem, that one, because the Rwandan people now, they are smart. They can know in the world we have different colors. They know them, but they'd be surprised to see them in the villages. Why are they coming to visit us? They do, have that kind you think, of the questions.
4: Do you think they are proud, saying, look at this, you know... They're going through our village. <laughs> they are proud. Sometimes they say, they say, we're lucky to see them face to face. Let's go to the next question. Where can I stay along the
1: trail? We have many accommodations. We have like a hiking, 10 stages. At the end of each stage, there is an accommodation.
4: And, and, and sometimes not just one, but something to choose from, right?
1: sometimes one sometimes many the first stage when you are doing hiking it end at Chimbiri they have only one guest house now and campsite and then on the second day we sleep in Kinunu where we have around three accommodations and even more are being built which are ready where you can sleep where they can take care of you but there is many accommodation which are under construction.
4: Cesar and I also created quite an illustrated list, so if you go to our website you can actually see images uh, and the basic information for all the main accommodation choices that you're going to have. Okay, next question. How easy it is to get transport to different places along the trail if one wants to do just one section of the trail
1: because we are near the lake you can use the lake as transport using boat boat ride are available on congo night trail uh, and also it's possible to use a car but which car 4x4 four four. and also uh, In case you got a problem in the middle of the trail, sometimes it's not easy to find directly a boat, it's not easy to find directly a car, where where you can hire a car, also you can find a motorbike.
4: There are so many motorbikes in the country of Rwanda, they are called motors and every village has one. So these are passenger bikes that can take you anywhere. We also need to add that these bigger centers on the way are being serviced by public means as well. So you can take a bus to Giseni or Rubau or or Okarongi or Kibuye. The bus can take you to the main points on the trail.
1: And there is the main road which is covering the whole trail. Where if you are on the trail, you can take a motorbike from there you are to the main road. From Giseni to Kibuye and from Kibuye to Kamembe, it's the tarmac
4: road. Of course, the hiking and cycling doesn't necessarily happen on the tarmac, but it's relatively close. This is a good moment for the next question because it's pretty much related. How did putting tarmac on the southern section of the trail affect the experience?
1: Uh, the planner of the Congo Trail, first of all they used the Congo Trail in south part from Kibuye to Kamembe they used the main road at that time because it was not tarmac and there was, was no many traffic on that road they used that one and then it became tarmac road from Kibuye to Kamembe and the people they didn't like to walk again and then Rwanda Development Board, the branch of tourism, they decide to find another way. Now, from 2019, we already find the new trail for hikers and bikers without using the tarmac one.
4: So, do not be concerned, you can get a fantastic experience away from tarmac in the south of the Congonal Trail. Let us go to our last question. Could you explain what subtrails are in relation to trails?
1: Because there are some people who don't like the long trip for hiking, but they need to explore some towns of the trail. they can do some subtrail around. That's why you have on Kongonai Trail, you have three subtrails. One in Gisenyi town, another one in Kibuye town. And then you have the third sub-trail in uh, Kamembe or Changugu town. Like in Gisenyi, we have Funda sub which is, comes from Gisenyi. And then you go to Funda tea factory and tea plantation. The main activity you can do is the tea experience mm-hmm. from the field to cup. And then in uh, Kibuye also we have Gisovu subtrade, where you can visit Gisovu tea factory and Gisovu plantation, also which is near Nyungwe National Park, where you can see the rainy forest, the big rainy forest you have in Rwanda. And then the time you are in uh, Kamembe, you can do Shangi subtrade. So we have those uh, three trails on Congoary trade.
4: Let me also add a question that is personal. What does the Congo Trail mean to Cesar?
1: Now I'm going to talk not as a tour guide, as Cesar. Congo Nile Trail to me, it means many things. It's a healthy to me. It's a business to me, and also it's a leisure to me. It's a business to me because I'm a tour guide. I can do guidance for the tourist comes on this area and can, I can survive and my family. It's healthy to me because when you are doing hiking, use your own energy and then big part of your body is working and then you get some things which those people are working in the off- office they can't gain. To me it's healthy. Uh, and also it is a leisure to me because when i show this beautiful area of rwanda to the visitors and then at the end they tell me which experience they got i'm really happy of it so it means to me the congo night ray it's my life at the end it's my life
2: Oh! Mm-hmm.
3: And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we come to the end of another episode of See Africa, Breathe Africa. Hope you've enjoyed hanging out with us and see you at the next episode. Oh, we have another great one coming up for you. This is going to be called The One. But for now, signing out from Miha, from Kahiri, from Katarina, from Cesar. We're just saying cheers. See you on the next episode.